When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It is Purple Daily, live from CHS Field, the home of the St. Paul Saints, where opening night is tonight at 7.05. I'm Rami Makhlouf, along with Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, Manny Hill, sitting up here in the press box. I love doing a, uh, a broadcast from an empty baseball park. I don't know about you guys. I got to do this a few times in uh, spring training. And uh, I just love it. There's something about sitting in an empty ballpark that makes me feel special. Well, this is uh, bringing me back okay. a little bit uh, to the days where I did minor league play-by-play. And this uh, right here press box that we're sitting in would have been the elite of the elite press boxes oh, yeah. this in is, single A. <laughs> this is this is directly behind it's really home plate. Nice. Like, if, if a game was being played right now, we'd be right in the line of danger. Yeah, but we've got the window open. It's, it's beautiful. an incredibly nice day. So everybody who's going to show up here tonight and fill the stadium, um, they're going to get a, a perfect day. And, and we've had such horrendous weather for still a long time. <laughs> Including last night. Yeah, yeah, very much last night. Are you I guys got, trying I don't to goat me into a, my famous hashtag? Is that what's happening right now? No, because oh, okay. your, your hashtag would, would ruin the perfection. <laughs> you want a roof you want a rooftop on this ballpark. No, I wouldn't put it I wouldn't put it on, on a on a minor league ballpark. I don't think the return on investment is uh is worth it on a minor league ballpark. <laughs> but I do think right, it's but, worth it and at Target Field and all big but, league ballparks. But the the feeling here of sitting with the breeze coming in it's and beautiful. looking over this ballpark, they're mowing it right now, they're raking uh, the infield. It's wonderful. Yeah, it it's, is it's, it's great. It's really outstanding. What's not outstanding is the Jets and yesterday Judd we uh <laughs> We rank the most dysfunctional teams in the NFL. I think they're fantastic. Well, they are for our entertainment <laughs> they're God's purposes. Gift to us. It's even worse than we thought, and they were a lock for our top five most dysfunctional teams that we went over yesterday. We'll get to that a little bit later on. I wanted to uh, talk off the top here about an article that was uh, at the Athletic, and it's uh, titled "Inside the NFL Analytics Dark Web." And you're an analytics guy, aren't you? Aren't you, Collar? Aren't you kind of a a football nerd, which I think is a new thing. Like, baseball nerd has been around longer than football nerd. Uh, I have been football nerding for uh, a very long time. You were early the in the game. Yes. You yeah, were early no, in I, the game. I, uh, yeah, was in on things like pro football focus, pro football reference, play index, um, grinding the tape, looking at the all 22. And one of the things that I did years ago was I did a study on defensive ends and when they start to uh, – Uh, you know, age out and we should pay them and when not. So with um, hockey, I was doing a lot more analytics 
five, six years ago when it was first starting to get hot. Um, but I've always been interested in, in the analytics movement in football, and we do a lot with it on the station, on the Purple Daily, Purple Podcast. Uh, we had all last season pro football focus guests on a weekly basis, and pro football focus has really become a main part of the football conversation now and changed the way we look at a lot of players because they bring us so much more data and information about guys that we normally wouldn't have a good understanding of, especially offensive linemen, where we can go look and compare Mike Remmers to Josh Klein last season in a snap. Otherwise, we would not have been able to do that. What would we use? Well, uh, he didn't get hurt last year. He started games. <laughs> you know, I mean, how else would we figure out um, how good an offensive lineman was? And now we have a really good picture of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in this, Rami. Am I correct in saying, too, I feel like baseball acknowledges this a lot and, and talks about it in, uh, in general terms. They don't take you inside the secret sauce all the time. But, Collar, it's... Football, I think, internally, we don't know much. Like, we know the Vikings use this, but we don't necessarily know exactly what they use or how. Football seems to be the one sport where they're like, oh, we're progressive, but we're not even going to touch on how we're progressive. Yes, that's right. right? I I think after Moneyball came out and then everyone copied the Oakland A's, including the Boston Red Sox, to win the World Series in 2004, that football people coming around on data, and it's not super new. I mean, there were people going way back who were tracking every play to look at personnel groupings and how often they lined up in certain ways, people in organizations that were gathering this data, but now there's just so much more available because of the technology. But you're exactly right that teams know that the Moneyball stuff got stolen so they're not gonna come out and say oh yeah actually we're doing this why don't you write a book on what all the things the vikings are doing inside (laughs) of their their analytics department like they're not going to do that but i know just from my own information that the vikings are one of the teams that is about as technological and analytical as you can get and they've invested in that quite a bit and there are some teams that still aren't buying into it would you be shocked if i told you that dave gettleman and the new york giants (laughs) were one of them (laughs) He was uh, asked last year after Saquon Barkley was drafted about the they talk about the act, the actual value. And I'll get into a little more in depth into it in, a, in just a second. And running backs are, are low on the value chart. Of course. Yeah. In the NFL. And somebody asked Gettleman about that last year after he used the number two pick to take Saquon Barkley. And he said, I think it's a crock. I think it's someone <laughs> who had this idea and got into the analytics of it and did all these running backs and went through the whatever before famously <laughs> breaking, <laughs> breaking out his air keyboard. He yes, air keyboarded. Yes, he air keyboard. at, and at Pat Shermer's face was my favorite thing ever. I was like, come back, Pat. Just come back. Okay, so just come back to be the offensive coordinator just here. Just quit. It was a mistake. How do you take that job, then? <laughs> I, you well, know, you Dave Gettleman, Dave Gettleman had a lot of success in building the Carolina Panthers. So if you're Pat Shermer, you might have looked at it and gone, OK, well, I'm probably going to be able to eventually pick my own quarterback. And they've got Odell Beckham, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> you're thinking like, OK, a veteran quarterback to work with that I can maximize. And actually, Pat Shermer did a phenomenal job. Last year, the Giants had a more successful and efficient passing game than the Minnesota Vikings last year. So Pat Shermer did a a good job with what he had. But the look on his face was, oh, sweet mother, what have I gotten myself into when Dave Gettleman said that? And you know what's, what's crazy about Dave Gettleman is that all of the moves that he's made are somewhat defensible if you 
spoke about them properly. Like if you said, look, the Odell Beckham thing, we just don't think he's quite worth the money, especially with the hassle, and we can sign Golden Tate and get a lot of the same stuff out of him. Okay, great. You could say about Saquon Barkley, I understand your guys' issue, and the analytics do point the other way, but this is an all-time great running back talent, so this is why we're doing it. He's Dan- special. He's the exception right, to the analytics right. rule is you what could, you say. With Daniel Jones, you could have said, look, his team was trash at Duke, and he did a lot of things that we really love, and if you met this kid, you would truly understand it. But he says all this stuff like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Analytic, yeah, yeah, analytic. Who? You bunch of nerds. I mean, it just makes him sound so foolish. Whatever, (laughs) but it makes him sound so foolish. It's much easier to criticize because I think you can justify a lot of the moves. But when someone sounds so far behind, you just assume they have no idea what they're doing. The quarterback point is defensible. Here's my problem, though. The running back conversation, whether you delve into the deepest of the dark potential stats or not. We all know where that position has gone, right? Yes. Like, it's a two-man job. If you have a good one, he's only going to be good for X amount of time. Football has become, I think, the most predictable position sport in saying, this is going to work, this is going to work, this is going to work, this ain't going to work. And that actually leads me right into what I was just about to talk about. Apparently... And what they've found out about analytics as it relates to kicking, the first, and you should really go check this article out if you haven't already, and they give you some great follows if you care about NFL analytics, some of the guys who are at the lead of the field. I don't want to get too deep and too nerdy, so if you are interested in what we're talking about, I highly advise you go and check out this article. But the one thing that analytics has found out about kicking is not even analytics can predict kicking. It kind of lets yeah. the Vikings... Yeah off the hook, and Manny, you would know this as well as anybody with your encyclopedic memory for Vikings (laughs) and NFL history, the problems that the Vikings have with kickers, and this kind of explains it. He has a figure in here that shows the the probability of kicks uh, from from a given distance, and it's not surprising. It shows that kicks from 35 yards and in, meaning that there is only room for differentiation on longer kicks, are easy to make. That they they are rarely missed. What about from like 27? Uh, from t- <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely not miss from there. But this analytics expert explains kicking performance is very vol- volatile from season to season, and there is basically no correlation between the performance of a kicker in a given season and the following season. Thus, we shouldn't have much confidence in a good year translating to next year. Does this let the Vikings off the hook for all the kicking woes that they've had, Manny? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Under no circumstance, especially if you're Rick Spielman, should you be trading up in the fifth round to take a kicker out of Auburn just because he can kick the ball 70 yards. He has no accuracy, and he showed that in the first... What was it? The first couple, well, preseason, we, preseason right? Preseason, and then week two. He, he, he and it almost, was mentally soft. That was, was maybe the well, issue. He was battling. Daniel Carlson was battling for his job in the fourth preseason game. This was a guy that they traded up to take. But here's what. But here's what makes no sense. Okay, gentlemen, let's combine the analytics with the humans. Okay. Again, you could have called me and said, "Do you think Mike Zimmer?" can handle a rookie kicker. <laughs> Matthew Collar, Matthew Collar's wife, the entire Collar family would have said, oh, oh, no, that's a terrible idea because Mike Zimmer has no patience. Like, the, the Carlson flameout is the most predictable. Forget the rest of the kicking woes for the Vikings franchise. It's the most predictable thing that I've ever seen. And you could have predicted that 
when the pick and, was made. And you did all last yes, uh, summer I, leading awful up to idea. that. Yes. But, but that's, but that's was, not the statistics. Actually, that's this, humans. This is great because we were out at training camp, and Judd is fixated on the kickers practicing on the other field. And he turns to me at one point and goes, Carlton is bleeped. Or Carl, Carlson is <laughs> He's mind bleeped. This kid, he's so screwed. I'm like, ah, typical Zolgad right there. Like, that is, a, that is a classic. He was right. I mean, he nailed it. Neither one of the kickers looked very good in training camp. And then they cut Kai Forbath kind of surprisingly early right. after Forbath missed one kick in preseason. And I think what you're talking about there, which is what Judd and I did go back and forth a lot last year with, is whether it was Mike Prefer's fault, whether it was Mike Zimmer's fault. And I always came back to, I know that maybe they could have a kicking coach or something else like that, or maybe there's something Prefer does that kickers don't like. But ultimately, does the guy make the kick or not is on him. And it is extremely difficult to predict because we would have thought Kai Forbath wouldn't have made a 52-yarder in the biggest situation possible in the Minneapolis Miracle game, and he nailed it. You know, he didn't have a big leg, and he got it. But, the, so, P- like, but the, the PATs the, were his right, but, mental but, downfall. No, but that was the thing is like, wait, so, I mean, do we expect him to miss the PATs again? They cut him because of the PATs, yes. but I didn't expect him to miss them again. And what you're talking about is don't even waste your time with this because it's mostly random. It's very, it's really volatile. And, and the thing that it was reminding me of when I was reading it, baseball, baseball analytics have found that predictability for relief pitchers from year to year but, yeah. is very yep. hard to pin down yep. because it's just very volatile and very erratic. And so if you're a GM, I don't even know what to do when you talk about positions like that because – is it is it foolish to go and spend big money on a guy who has a good track record as a kicker or as a relief pitcher? Or do you lock a guy down who has a good track record as a kicker or a relief pitcher? Because it seems like it doesn't really matter what they've done well, in, in the past, even in recent history. Another analytical thing with kickers is that undrafted kickers outperform drafted kickers. That's amazing. Because they have to go into training camps and win jobs, so they only take the ones that prove that they're actually good throughout an entire offseason, as opposed to getting a much longer rope like Daniel Carlson, who didn't kick particularly well in training camp or preseason, but because they drafted him, they were going to keep him from day one, from the minute they, they picked him. Otherwise, they might have taken somebody else if it was an undrafted guy battling against him and he kicked better would you ever draft a kicker or a punter i would not know no nope. i would not either. nope um just no way. there is no circumstance in which i would do that unless some guy came through with the greatest punting leg in the history of the world there was that guy that the seahawks drafted who punted the hell out of the ball but other than that it would have to be some magical punter because i feel like punting isn't different but for some reason Kicking is different from college to the NFL for a lot of these guys. Maybe it's the pressure. I don't know what it is. But you see a lot of the great kickers who are drafted high not necessarily work out. And I feel like a punter is very predictable. So if it was the seventh round and some guy had a six-second hang time every time he punted the ball, 50 yards, then I would say, okay, give me him in the sixth round because that will have value. There is value to great punting. But other than that, the answer is no. Do you guys remember Todd Sauerbrunn? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember him? Uh, I think the Bears used a second-round pick on him. Did they really? It might have been third. Oh my gosh. I know it was a high draft pick for a punter. Very high draft pick for a punter. 
Um, and he had the type of track record that you're talking about in college. Had this big leg. Yeah. And uh, Shane Leckler was another one too. Oh right? yeah, Shane and Leckler. Shane yeah. Leckler was he a second round pick? Uh, he was a high pick, and I, I same year as Janikowski. He's right? like a like if if they put punters in the Hall of Fame aside from Ray Guy, Shane Leckler <laughs> would be in. <laughs> Todd Sauerbrud showed up for his first trading camp with the Bears. I forgot what kind of car he had. It's a really flashy sports car. Remember, <laughs> he's a punter yeah. with a vanity plate that read. Hang time. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> well, you know what? Go all in. Yeah. If you're going to do it, go that's, all that's in. Right. But aside, no regrets. Aside from that, what I would do is bring in two, two or three undrafted yep. kickers because I don't need – the thing is they, they could bring in 90 people. And so you've got about 60 that you're really considering, and the rest are just, uh, I don't know, hopefully this guy makes the practice squad or whatever else. I might bring in three or four kickers instead because it is valuable, all undrafted if I didn't have one. Whoever wins the job wins the job in the offseason, and that's it, and we'll just go with that guy. That's how I would do it almost every year because I wouldn't pay a guy either. Unless he was really, really great, I wouldn't pay him. I feel like kickers with big legs are, are akin to uh, pitchers who can just throw heat. Yeah. And scouts are like, this is, did you see that 80-yard field goal? But the fact is, but the fact is, if they're not mentally strong enough, right? It doesn't. Ryan Longwell is the perfect example of a guy who got here and gave them good years here after uh, kicking for the Packers for a long time. There was nothing dynamic about him, but he had a plan and he was crafty, yep. it, like the pitcher who sticks around, you know, a Moyer type. Yeah, because he's got the stuff, and. and I think scouts of football just fall in love with the thought that this young kicker, I saw him in the SEC, and he can kick the, okay, that's great. Blair Walsh, right? Yeah, but how does he do? And and the problem in football, in my opinion, is these people are so full of themselves, the scouts and coaches, that they think, well, if I just tweak this one thing. But they don't account for pressure. They don't account for differences with the football. All, All they account for is... I can fix them. Well, that's not necessarily this, true. And this is the best part of analytics movement in sports is that it decreases overconfidence in organizations yeah. and in just the way that even us as reporters think about these things. Uh, and if you're doing it right, you have an analytics department who will come to you and say, I know you really believe in this kicker, but you can't actually really believe in a kicker. Like, it's, not, it's not a real thing. That's a great point. You know, right? Like, incredibly I mean, important point. I mean, point. a lot of football scouting is sort of like uh, just like medicine that you might have made up. Be like, well, one time yep. I had a cold and I drank lots of vodka and then I felt better the next day. So, like, that works. Everyone should do that when they get a cold. And you're like, well, actually, science says don't do that. You might die. I heard moonshine. And uh, but 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 like think of think of it in the same way is like that's what we do with science with everything else. But with sports, we're like no, that's that's totally cool that you just like have a gut feeling and you should just go with it. And anytime those work out, those people tell those stories for the rest of their lives. I just had a feeling about yep. that guy. Twelve beers. Twelve beers. I saw in. I saw something in that kicker man. Yep. And you're like, well, actually, you just got. Totally lucky. The artic- so that, that's what great analytics uh, departments do. <laughs> We're going to continue this discussion. The article is inside the an- NFL Analytics Dark Web, or whatever, if you ask Dave Gettleman. And uh, it's <laughs> at The Athletic. You should check it out. A lot of stuff in here that pertains to the Vikings. They don't mention the Vikings directly or really any NFL teams. It's more about the overall idea of analytics, how it works, what, what it's useful for. We talked about what it means for kickers and special teams. They also talk about the importance of passing the football the value of quarterbacks. Is all of this sounding like it should matter to Vikings fans? Uh, just how analytics is collected and and, uh, and and processed. 
It's a really interesting article. We'll continue our discussion about it right after this. It's Purple Daily. We're live from CHS Field, home of the St. Paul Saints. Tonight is the season opener for the Saints. They take on Milwaukee at 7.05 p.m. at CHS Field. Do you guys know the name of the Milwaukee team? I do. You said it yesterday. yesterday. Uh, Thundernuts. The <laughs> close. The Milkmen. For tickets and all things St. Oh. Paul Saints awesome. related, visit St. Baseball. Are, are you com. conflicted here, Ron? That's I mean, Saints Baseball for the Thundernuts.com. No, Thundernuts are they? They were an expansion team. They, their inception didn't come till after I left Milwaukee, so oh, I have okay. no ties Fair or loyalties enough. to them. New to CHS Field this year is the City of Baseball Museum, which opens tonight. The City of Baseball Museum offers a trip through time that features the five distinct eras of baseball in St. Paul with a focus on the rich history of its storied hometown team. You can come out and see it tonight out here at CHS Field. Purple Daily is back right after this on Score North on 1500 and the Score North mobile app. Phil Mackey here for Federated Insurance. Now, if you listen to the radio show, I'm a numbers guy. Here's a couple numbers that should really get your attention. 2.4 million injured and 35,092 dead. Those are National Safety Council numbers from 2015. Federated Insurance reminds us that these are much more than just statistics. These are family members, friends, and neighbors. Distracted driving continues to be an epidemic. It could happen as easy as this. A driver approaches an intersection with a traffic light and they become distracted reading a social media post. They run the red light and collide with another vehicle, killing the driver and severely injuring themselves. So ask yourself, do you multitask while driving? Do you ever closely follow the vehicle in front of you? Do you find yourself checking your phone for messages while you're driving? Well, according to the Minnesota Department of Public Safety, there are 815,000 distracted drivers on Minnesota roads at any given time. Don't become a statistic. Make it home safe today. To learn more, contact your local Federated Insurance Marketing representative. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It is Purple Daily, once again, live from CHS Field, home of the St. Paul Saints, where tonight they'll have their home opener against the Milwaukee Milkmen. Rami Makloff, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, Manny Hill, and doing a deep dive into NFL analytics. If you're enjoying this conversation, this nerdy, in-depth football conversation, and say you're getting out of the car, you're going into the office or into the garage to work on some things, three great ways for you to listen to Score North. On the go, you have your uh, Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. She just opened because I said it. You can go to live.scorenorth.com in your web browser or that Score North mobile app. If you haven't checked out the Score North mobile app, you really, really should. Available in the Apple and Google Play stores. Listen live and on demand via Score North app. The longer you listen live, the more points you rack up for potential rewards. And the Score North mobile app is a one-stop shop for all written content on scorenorth.com, including columns from uh, Matthew Collar and Judd Zalgad. Do you guys have columns you want to plug right now? You want them sweet, sweet clicks? You no, know, I've, I've been kind of leaving it up to uh, the Twins and Wolves after the lottery, and there hasn't been a ton on the Vikings lately. But I, I, was, I, I am working on something with the Vikings that maybe you guys are interested in. It, with this Eric Hendricks restructure, it just brought to mind for me how many guys have made some sort of sacrifice to stick around with this defense and how little this defense has changed since 2015. I went back to 2015 and you look at the defense. You had B-Rob retires. 
Terrence Newman retires, Captain Munnerlin left in free agency, and now Anderson Dejo isn't here. Aside from that, everybody else who are the key players, even then, and Sharif Floyd with his injury, he would be here if not for his injury. It is incredible to me. We talked about how many uh, teams have their defenses for a year or two that are great, and then they break up. But this is the still the core of a defense that rose from being mediocre in 2014 in Zimmer's first year to being really, really good in 2015 and has just stayed there and can continue to stay there because guys do things like this to remain in Minnesota. Okay, I'll bite uh, because the answer to this question should be it has no impact at all, but this is football and football is weird. <laughs> when, when Rudolph flat out said, I believe, at Zimmer's golf tournament deal on Monday... I will not take a pay cut. Now, I don't blame him, okay? So this is no judgment from me. But to what you're just saying about the defense, and I know he doesn't play defense, give me your collar, your assessment of how that goes over in the locker room when this is all about, and and it's not fair. This is not normal. But it's a weird sport. And so a lot of people are making sacrifices. Your take on that. So 2017, I've... B-Rob said it, actually, on our station yesterday in an interview that I did with him. He said, I've never seen anything like that for a locker room. 2017, Teddy comes back, Case Keenum takes over. Offense, defense, everybody was on the same page. It was a team galvanized like I've never been around before. And, you know, they made the NFC Championship game in part, I think, because of that. Last year was very much, you're the offense, we're the defense. We're doing our job, or we're not doing our job uh, for a couple of uh, games, but for the most part, we're, we're a group and you're a group. And I expect that to be the same way here going forward, especially because of that. On the offensive side, we saw a number of players skedaddle. Uh, Nick Easton did not resign. That's why they have Josh Klein now. Um, uh, Trevor Simeon did not resign, and that's why they have Sean Mannion now. Latavius Murray probably could have worked something out to stay, but got a pretty decent deal. But again, another player leaving where this defense, these guys have been around each other for so long. They know Zimmer's defense so well and seem to have built these really significant bonds with each other that you rarely see in uh, football today because of how short careers are, that now the locker room is we're the defense and you're the offense. And that is a, a big change that I noticed them going through last year, and I think it will be that way this year, um, especially with what's happened with Kyle Rudolph and even you know with Adam Thielen. He resigns and he gets his contract, so it's kind of like much more businesslike on the offensive side. Did Eric Hendricks make a sacrifice? We had Andrew Brandt on Mackie and Judd with Rami yesterday. Not really, but a salary little. Salary cap expert. Yeah. It sounded to me like he was saying it was the Vikings who kind of took a hit with, with the restructuring that they did with Eric Hendricks, taking half of his salary this year, converting it to a, uh, to a signing bonus. It kind of kicks the can down the road in terms of salary cap yep. implications. Eric Hendricks... I mean, he's going to get his $4 million that he was due to get this year. Yeah. He just got $2 million of it up front. If my yeah. boss offered me half my salary up front, I'd be, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd be okay with that, no, wouldn't you? No, you're right, is that he actually gets a, a decent deal out of this, and nothing really changes for him. It's do you want it now or do you want it later, but you're getting it either way. And when you restructure these deals, the Saints did it with Drew Brees, where I think, and this is just hilarious cap manipulation, I think his cap hit is like $6 gazillion next year. Because, this up, yes. Yeah, because they just made it all 
into the yes. signing bonus money, so he's getting a bleep ton of cash, and his uh, cap hit is so absurd for next year, but he's going to retire, so it's like, no matter anyway. And every team uh, who's any good is doing stuff like this. So it, it was not really a sacrifice necessarily for Eric Hendricks, but when you look at the whole picture, it's that... You know, he didn't have to do that. You go to a guy like, no, that's the contract I signed. He could have been difficult and instead decided to say, no, okay, I'll, I'll play ball. I'll be the guy that works with you to make sure that we get this done. When Kyle Rudolph was not that guy and would not allow them to convert his the salary into signing weird dynamic here. Yeah. Like, it's not really fair yeah. to, go, to go to the employee and say, take a pay cut. But if you think that that doesn't have uh, potential ramifications in that locker room, you're kidding yourself because it can. And when you look at... The other players, though, there are plenty of guys who have taken less. Anthony Barr, for one, we know that it was going to be a $15 million a year deal in New York, and it's 13 and a half here. And Daniil Hunter, for, for me, took one of the most team-friendly contracts in the NFL. It's not even close. He could have been getting somewhere in the range of Khalil Mack, and instead he has a contract that would be decent 10 years ago for a defensive end. It's really astonishing. Xavier Rhodes, same thing. He signed early to stick around. Linval Joseph took a contract extension that lowered his cap hit a couple of years ago. These guys have all made active efforts. And uh, Everson Griffin. If Everson Griffin had said, no, cut me, some team is signing Everson Griffin to a pretty big amount of money, I'm guessing, because of what he's done in the past. These guys have made active efforts that are tangible to stay around each other, and that is rare and super interesting to me. So your article on that coming soon to scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app back into this uh, deep dive of nfl analytics i forgot why we were talking the about athletic because i asked you if you had a column right. up okay. and you said you're working on one and we went down that road and what's the website again it's uh, scorenorth.com thank you okay but good. the easiest way to do it matthew just get that score north oh, mobile yeah, the app. app oh the yeah. app's fantastic all, all our shows on your mobile device and you I mean, know what just download subscribe give us that five star rating leave your comments <laughs> go there and read all my columns just because they're so good they speak for themselves. I can't think of a better plug than that. They speak for themselves. Lots of other, twin stuff of life. Other than to say, the more you listen live on the Score North mobile app, the more points you rack up to win rewards from us. Lots of twin stuff. Because we love you. Um, the next the next thing that they talked about in this article about the uh, dark web of NFL analytics, it's titled, Why Are These People So Obsessed With Passing the Ball? He addresses whether or not <laughs> passing the ball wins football games or whether... Are, is anybody here defense and running game wins football games? Is anybody here that guy? I think they need to just flat out bring back the wishbone to them. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to see. Uh, that, that I want to see teams run the ball because, 70 times a game. Because the math says that guy is wrong. The, the two overriding uh, points here... That guy's an Egan. ...are one in a given game... <laughs> Passing efficiency predicts the winner to a much greater extent than rushing efficiency. Number two, a strong passing offense is much more likely to persist over time than other units. And basically, there is no better indicator of a football team's success other than expected points added. There is no better indicator of a football team's yeah. success yep. and than, ad, than extra points added, or expected points added, excuse me, than and passing the football it, and how well you do it. Expected points added is the stat I always use to look at team strength because right. that compares situation to performance. So where you are on the field, how many yards you gain in that situation. And if you look at the passing offenses from last year, Number one was in expected points added, Kansas City. There they are in the championship game. The New Orleans Saints, 
the New England Patriots. Atlanta Falcons had an abysmal defense. So they made it into here, but I think that in part was because they were throwing all the time because their defense got everyone injured. But then the Los Angeles Rams were fifth and the Los Angeles Chargers right after that. And and so there you have all of the best teams and the teams that made it the farthest. Were the Vikings being, being in the, the bottom teams, third then? The Vikings. Now this would really blow your mind. Because this is where this is where it's it just makes me crazy when people talk about him throwing for four thousand yards, Kirk Cousins. Thirty touchdowns. Because the passing game was so incredibly inefficient the san francisco 49ers with nick mullins as their quarterback were higher in expected points added the oakland raiders were right behind them the new york giants who were making fun of were ahead of them the detroit lions the cincinnati Bengals. these teams were more efficient in passing than the minnesota vikings last season they don't have to just go a little way with this offense they have to go a long way if they want to get into the conversation to be one of the better offenses in the league. But to, to the point, though, are, are there people who still believe that the run game can win? Yes, in the Giants. Gettleman does. And are, the, are there people that believe the defense can still be the first and foremost important thing? Yes, in Egan. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's well, where, for sure. That, for sure. That, that's where the basis and, of this starts. Until he's out the yep. door, and I'm not yep. suggesting he should be, but until yep. he's gone, the basis of what they do is going to be around that side of the ball. But you know what Mike Zimmer knows? And this is really um, something that I've started to think about a lot more when it comes to your job security. You try to lower, or I should say, you should try to raise the floor. Because if you go Thanks, nine Michael and Jordan. seven, <laughs> ten and six, Ceiling is the roof. But it, if you try to go, if you yeah. try to go, if the worst you could be this year, and this is the way I look at the Vikings, the worst they could be is seven and nine, unless Cousins gets hurt and you play Sean Mannion, and then you're four and twelve. There's nothing you could do. But if he's healthy, the worst you could be is like seven and nine or eight and eight. If you're the Minnesota Vikings, because your defense is so good. So it's hard to fire somebody who's always in that conversation. And if you get any sort of offense when you have a top-five defense, you're going to make the playoffs. It does not mean that you can win the Super Bowl necessarily, but your four is now a first-round out in the playoffs or just barely missing in Week 17. And I think in terms of job security, that's why it's great to have a defensive head coach. And I think you're exactly right. Now, here's my question, though. And and this is a question I've asked since the uh, 2018 season came to an end, and I don't know the answer. Are smart football people who are trying to project out in where this game is going say that that philosophy is still going to be working in three years? And I'm not suggesting that your defense can be awful. But are smart football people saying, no, no, this will still work and be fine, or in four years is there going to be, have been, I should say, a seismic shift that's going to take that in such a different direction that you should in some ways be saying to, to yourself, we've got to start planning better here for how we're going to have strengths and utilize them. So this is the thing, is that having a great defense... And def- by the way, that is incredibly geeky. Yeah, it definitely is. Having a great <laughs> defense is always going to be supremely important. And when you look at the New England Patriots and where they spend their money, they believe that they can get a lot out of different players rotating in as pass rushers. So they've let guys go and they've decided not to pay people. Yep. But how about cornerbacks in the Bill Belichick era? Stephon Gilmore rated number one by Pro Football Focus in the entire league last year. How about Ty Law, Hall of Famer? How, you know, I mean, yeah, Malcolm Butler that they had, they eventually let go, but he was the guy who makes the big play in the Super Bowl. I mean, normally they have made sure that they have top-notch cornerbacks and that they are great in coverage. So being great on defense is always going to give you a shot. Where the Vikings 
are in a tough spot is just that they don't have a quarterback who can take them over the top on the offensive side without a ton of help. So there's just not enough money to spread around to make sure you have everything that he needs and everything Mike Zimmer needs to have this top-notch defense that's going to guarantee you are competitive this year. Which brings us to the next, and the last thing I wanted to touch on in this article, the rest of it is kind of hard to, to make entertaining sports talk radio out of. But So this is the last part of the article I wanted to touch on, was how much should quarterbacks be paid? And, again, they go by expected points added, and uh, they do the math of, of the salary cap, which is pretty simple math. Even guys like us can do it. And the, art, the, the contract that Russell Wilson just signed for $38 million, he's now the highest-paid quarterback in the league, it, it eats up about 20% of the team's total cap, and their numbers say that quarterbacks might be underpaid based on how much they add to a team compared yeah. to other positions, yeah. and they probably will be paid much higher in the future. And I think that's a trend that, that we're seeing right now. So it, it's, it's like, yes, but. And the but is, if you pay one that is just okay, then you end up in a really difficult spot because you can't spend on everything else to elevate the play of that player. And that's where I think there's three teams that are in this spot, probably four. It depends on how you feel about Andy Dalton. But Andy Dalton had a couple of years that were really good. But he just couldn't win in the playoffs. And the one year they were the best, he got hurt. And they started A.J. McCarron in a playoff game that they should have won if not for a terrible fumble at the end of the game. Anyhow, the four teams are the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins, the Oakland Raiders with Derek Carr, the Detroit Lions with Matt Stafford, and the um, Cincinnati Bengals with Andy Dalton. Those four teams are paying quarterbacks, and Dalton isn't getting as much, but they're paying quarterbacks who need everything to be going right around them in order to have all of their talents maximized to be competitive. And that's where you just have a tough time making the math work. If you're talking about someone like Russell Wilson, who, I mean, last year, look at his numbers. He averaged over eight yards an attempt, 111 quarterback rating for Russell Wilson, and, and not even to mention the fact that the guy can run as well. He ran for over 300 yards last year. I mean, somebody like that is absolutely worth it because you're in that conversation every year just by having him, and you can start to draft and put those younger players around him at key positions or find other guys. Doug Baldwin was undrafted and became a great receiver for them. But if you don't have this level of quarterback... The salary cap just makes it really difficult. So how much of this now goes back to, and I don't know where this line gets drawn, but it goes back to uh, something that we're definitely seeing in baseball with pitching coaches, and we're seeing in football now with coaches being convinced or teams being convinced that said offensive coach can come in and can prop quarterback up Mm. enough. Jared Goff. Jared Goff's a guy I really don't know. I think he's good. I'm not really sure. So so where does this... conversation go with that um let's say group of quarterbacks who are good but if they get the right coaching and the right system and the right scheme fit for them can be can take that step where where they're not tom brady but they're definitely star quarterbacks because that that's what i see the market now shifting to is and and it starts probably with mcveigh but how many teams are we now seeing say okay we got our quarterback and we really don't know about that guy so we go to the offensive mind and i guarantee you they're paying those guys a ton of money well now if i'm the rams okay so i think that golf is actually good i mean just because he had a bad super bowl against the patriots he ain't the i first. just don't know how good but, he is but now to your point though 
if you felt, if you're Sean McVay and you work with this guy every day and you felt like, you know what, we might be able to find someone else who could do this stuff, I think what you do is you let Jared Goff go. You sign him to his fifth-year tender and you deal with that and then you let him go after that. And you draft a quarterback and trade everything up to get a quarterback, sign everyone you can in free agency to put around that quarterback, and just basically run it back and do the same thing. And you better hope that quarterback works out. But that might be the savvy strategy if you don't truly believe that the Rams are that good because of Jared Goff. I am certain the Russell Wilson Seahawks are that good because of Russell yeah, Wilson. Yeah, I agree with that. He's 75-36-1 in his career yeah, to start. That's pretty good. That's incredible. That's not bad. I'll take that. That's incredible. Third-round pick, right? Was he third, that low? Third-round pick? I think it really? was third-round, yeah. Wow. Again, you should read You should read that article if you haven't. The rest of it goes into the tools of gathering all this information, the challenges, the future, where it's headed. Really interesting stuff on uh, inside the NFL Analytics Dark Web up there at The Athletic. We got to hit a quick break, and then on the other side, just laugh at the New York Jets. Just laugh and laugh at the New York Jets because it's fun, and it's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500. ScoreNorth.com and home of the St. Paul Saints, CHS Field. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. And the Score North <laughs> Don't be laughing. Ad. We're going to be fighting over a Diet Coke. Judd and Collar were just planning out a uh, battle to the death for yep. the one Diet Coke that's up here in the <laughs> yep. press box. And I am Keanu Reeves. Field. They haven't stocked it up yet. For That's who game. I am. You know, I don't I'm, mind. I don't mind playing Patrick Swayze. I'm Keanu. Which, oh, well, okay. it depends on what film. It could be that. I was one. gonna say which Keanu. It Reeves? could be Speed. The, there's um, John there's, Wick. Keanu Reeves. Like forget. Like Collar. Just, just bow down. You're gonna get killed. There's I, there's if, one Diet Coke. What do you do, Jack? But if I am, <laughs> if I am Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze. Okay, well, then, I don't good, think, then good luck getting. I don't a think Diet Roadhouse Coke. Patrick Swayze is any match for John Wick. Really? See, no I'm, match I'm for John, John Wick. Wow. I got to admit, Any of you, I'm not have John you seen totally John disagree. Movies? Yeah, I saw the first John Wick. <laughs> he kills everyone and everything in his way, except for his dog, who but, he loves. Have you but, seen Swayze? Yes, I've seen In Roadhouse? Are you, have you seen how jacked he is? Yeah. He gets in like 11 fights in an hour and a half. John Wick <laughs> literally set the record for people killed in a movie. Oh, that's Swayze that's breaks that's a man's neck but he, but and he sails him back weapons. across to his boss. Not all Judd, weapons. Judd he doesn't broke, have any weapons. He broke plenty of necks. Okay. He broke plenty of necks in those yeah, movies. Well, he did I not, think he just kicked one dude's head off. He just didn't kicked break right Dalton's off neck. So. No, no, Dalton was, Dalton was tough. Dalton's tough. Man. Neo over all you, of them. Man, so. he could be Sam Elliott. Just, <laughs> Poor just guy like ends up dead. Yeah. You knew he was going to die. <laughs> Every oh. movie, he's he just have a great voice. Dead. He does have a Sam Elliott-like voice. I think it works. That's why I was thinking that. it, because he's got the voice. Yeah, just you like, throw a handlebar make, mustache? Make, make it a little more gravelly, and you're Sam Elliott. <laughs> Uh, all those movies entertaining, but not as entertaining as the New York Jets. Who uh, good one, Rami? Yesterday fired their uh, their general manager behind rumors from multiple outlets. Uh, Manish Mata from the uh, Meta, my yep. bad, uh, from the Daily News was Poor the guy. first to report that one disagreement between Adam Gase and Mike McCagnan was uh, the signing of Le'Veon Bell. Per sources, in fact. Gase made it clear he didn't want to spend a lot of money on a running back. The GM went ahead and did it anyway. Must have read your article. They, 
That guy just hired Adam Gase a few months ago. How does a relationship deteriorate to the point where the guy who hired you is fired because you can't work with him three months later? This is amazing. And over the running back, you just spent kind of silly money on it, it. This whole thing doesn't make any sense, and it's hilarious. Collar, are you amazed, though? Because it's the Jets, I'm really not. There's, there's about five clubs that this does not shock me. No, it's stupid, I, not, but it doesn't shock no, me. No, not the Jets, because they've become the new Browns, basically. That's what we talked like, about yesterday. Yes. Drafting quarterbacks, changing general managers, yes. changing coaches. They hire a guy who has these googly eyes during a press conference who never explains why said eyes were googling. Like we have, that's all I want to know from Adam Gase. I don't care about how he feels about running backs or why he got the general manager fired. Please tell me why your eyes were going different directions at the same time during a press conference. He was on Levitard and basically said, I, I don't care to explain that. It doesn't matter. I, I care if I'm the organization. <laughs> like, yeah. You like, look like Ernie from Sesame Street, dude. I mean, Tell us why. So, so let's just let's just say that he went to the eye doctor and they dilated his pupils and he had a bad reaction or something. Like, don't run him out for a press conference. Sorry, we're going to have to delay this for tomorrow, media. We apologize. Who put this guy out in front of the media with his eyeballs freaking out? It was, real, it was really cool, though. you got to admit it was cool no, to watch. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, I was freaked out just watching it. But uh, starting with that, at that moment, if he gave no explanation to me as ownership, I would have been like, oh, okay, you're fired. Like, I'll just pay you to not be here because you have some type of problem that if you can't explain this to me that looks like you are on drugs, oh, I cannot okay. have you as my head coach because the whole world is making fun of us for your freaky eyes. But if you're the owner of the Jets, obviously you signed off on signing Le'Veon Bell, right? You have to sign sure, that yeah. check ultimately. If the relationship has broken down between the GM and the coach, and the GM is the one who wanted Le'Veon Bell, and you agreed with that move and signed off on the move, why is that the guy who loses the power struggle? Why is he, why is he the one because it's the Jets. looking for a job today? Because the Jets are that dysfunctional. Because I guarantee you, Gaze, so here, here's my guess. Ownership played a huge role in Gaze getting that job, not the GM. The GM probably begrudgingly said, okay, because yeah. there's, no, there's no way on God's green earth. And, and the Jets' ownership is goofy. So this is stunningly like the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills did this same exact thing where right after the draft, they fired Doug Whaley. The draft that they did not take Patrick Mahomes because they didn't want to stick a new GM with a quarterback. That's why they traded out of the Patrick Mahomes pick so who to did the that Kansas then? City Chiefs. Well, ownership? So this is where it gets really crazy is ownership hired Rex Ryan without even asking Doug Whaley, who was the general manager at the time. Okay. So we might have the same situation going on here where they were like, well, you know, we're just going to bring in our coach because he's our guy. And the general manager was like, uh, all right, I guess I'll try to work with him and we'll see what happens. And then a couple months later, no, actually, we were planning on gassing you the whole time, but we didn't want to do it before the draft because <laughs> yeah. that would screw everything up. Wow. And you would know who we were drafting. Maybe, maybe that's part of it, why you don't fire a general manager before the draft, is you know who we're going to pick and we think you'll go so tell who trade, So, So in the Bills case, who traded the pick? That ownership now see because Whaley wouldn't have done it then. That I'm not 100 percent certain. I, wow. I I don't know if he was directed to trade the pick or what the story was for why they didn't do it. But that was the explanation <laughs> later. You was know, 
we didn't want to stick the new general manager with a quarterback, so we passed up on a generational talent. No wonder the Patriots have had the success that they've had between the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins in their division. It's not a joke. Almost half their schedule yep. is is incompetence. And, and think about the quarterbacks that those teams have had. I mean, who is the best quarterback during the Belichick Brady era to play for Buffalo, Miami, or the New York Jets? Is it Chad Pennington Chad, for I, two out of three? Chad Pennington comes. Chad freaking yeah, Pennington you know is the yeah. best quarterback to play in that division. Brady and Belichick aren't that great. They've just had easy competition. I think that's well, the conclusion we just come too, to here, right? They they basically can't beat the Dolphins they, in Miami, and well, so that's yeah. another just bizarre so, factor. But. To your point, though, then they're not overrated. But but when you have home field, I was being facetious. Save me your mentions on Twitter. But when you win five out of six games every year, is just locked in. Okay, you're going to botch one against the Dolphins or Bills or Jets or something. But you you can lock in five wins every single season, or at least try some new things in those games. Like treat (laughs) them like preseason games. So you've you've got you're pretty much set up to have home field advantage. And how many times? Have they in the playoffs had you have to go to New England where it's extremely difficult yeah. and they probably cheat and steal your playbook and videotape your <laughs> yeah, practice? But, really like, well. no, but they, I'm not even kidding. No, like, but they cheat well. But they cheat. I give them credit for but that. But they I cheated cheat. along the way. So like they're they're deflating footballs and everything else. Like, like you have to go to play against them in their house in part because the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets are a trash fire. I feel like the Patriots, the only thing the Patriots haven't done to, like, quote-unquote cheat is, like, literally take players from the other team to come over out to their sideline and actually play in games. Well, there is uh, – some people <laughs> yeah. have tried doing this. You know, you know about this, Judd, where somebody will get released from a division team oh, and they'll sign oh, the, the guy, Vikings like, yeah, bring this, him yes. in. We're playing them week yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, practice works. squatter. Never works. Joey something comes in. <laughs> hey, give us the playbook. So I, I'm, trying <laughs> Never to, works. I'm trying to think of this. Last – Good quarterback for Dolphins, Jets, and Bills. Like like the quarterback that you would say, is Boomer it for the Jets? Pennington was he after Boomer? Yeah, Pennington, uh, Pennington was after. But, but Boomer really wasn't that good for the Jets. No, I know. He had but that tr- one year no, with Cincinnati. I, this is where I'm struggling. I mean, clearly, I can't think of one. Clearly, Jim Kelly is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and I mean, Jim Mar- Kelly, Mar- Marino. Jim Kelly and Marino might be the last ones. But those guys predate Brady and Belichick. Uh, right, right. So yeah. wild. But yeah. in the entire well, division. Well, and the other thing, too, is no, remember Penning, Pennington played for the Jets and the Dolphins, too. Remember one year yes. he was with the Dolphins and they went to it's, the playoffs? Yeah. It's Drew Bledsoe for the Bills. When Drew Bledsoe left the Patriots to go to the Bills, wow. then he would have been the best quarterback, even though he was not that great with Buffalo. Man, you saw some bad football, dude. Oh, wow. thank you. Thank you, New York Jets. Maybe for Kirk Cousins is that bad. Providing us Vikings are a vast stability. This has been Purple Daily. If you missed any portion of it, search Score North Vikings wherever you download podcasts. Go get that nifty, handy, dandy Score North mobile app. For Matthew Collar, Judd Zulgad, Manny Hill, and Lindsay back in the studio, I'm Rami saying thanks for listening. The Score North First Place Twins show up next. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.